0: Well, good morning, Gospel Hope, and welcome to Connect Sunday. Hey, this is something we do a couple times a year to remind us that we are to grow in the gospel as a family while on mission. That is, we believe that as believers, the Christian life is a team sport. We do it better together. And one of the main ways that we do that is through our community groups. We'll be making some application about that throughout the message. But I want to encourage you to really participate in this message. Uh, on the screen right now, you can see uh, what we call our five-eye Bible study methods. There are five symbols on there. A lightning bolt, an arrow, a question mark, a number one, and a heart. And these are just symbols to help us really dive into God's Word. And so as I'm preaching through Ephesians 4 this morning, I want to encourage you to look for something that strikes you, a lightning bolt. Look for a question that you have. Look for one way that God is asking you to grow and change. That's an arrow. Look for one person that God is calling you to invest in. That's the number one. And finally, look for one way that you would like to invite God to change and transform you. One way you would like to invite God into your situation. That's the heart. So we're going to be unpacking this in a few moments at the end where we do a mock community group. So those of you who may not have been in a community group at Gospel Hope before, we want to give you a glimpse kind of under the hood to see what it might be like to engage with other believers. Listen, this passage is so relevant for our lives because it talks about the way that we talk, something that impacts us every day. So let's dive into God's Word, and the message title today is simply Accented. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Father, we thank you so much for the Scripture We thank you that you speak to us and give us such wise instruction for our lives. I pray as we engage with these ideas this morning that you would challenge us to be growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. And one of the most beloved TV characters of the 1990s was none other than the uber-nerd Steve Urkel. Well, if you're a fan of the show Family Matters, I mean, Steve Urkel was everybody's favorite character. But if you watch the show very often, what what sometimes happened is Urkel's alter ego showed up by the name of Stefan Urkel. Where Steve epitomized geekiness, Stefan was all things cool. And here's the thing. When, when you saw Steve and when you saw Stefan, you didn't even have to look at them. You could close your eyes and tell which one was on the screen because Steve didn't simply change his clothes. Everything about him changed, particularly the way that he talked. In other words, in order to di- distinguish Steve from Stefan, all you had to do was listen to the sound of their voice. I bring this up because it illustrates an important spiritual truth. Namely this, our speech reveals our character. In fact, Jesus himself, as he was ministering on earth, emphasized this principle consistently during his public ministry. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 34, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Or again, in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 11, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and that defiles a person. In light of this, it's unsurprising when the Apostle Paul unpacks what it looks like to be transformed by Christ. He directly addresses our speech. You see, when you are growing in the gospel, growing in your relationship with God, the Lord begins to change your heart. And when you're growing as a family, this changes the way that you speak to your brothers and sisters. And when you are growing on mission, this changes. This change in behavior illustrates this internal change. In other words, this change in our speech profoundly shows if we are really growing in our relationship with God, with other believers, and the world. Our speech is a great litmus test for our walk with God. Or if I could put it another way, A transformed heart results in a transformed mouth. Uh, I think this is Paul's emphasis in this passage of Scripture. When you're growing in your relationship with God and with other believers and with the world, it will inevitably influence the way you talk. Your speech is not kind of like a separate subcategory. No, it is part of your Christian life. And if you are growing in your relationship with God, it will inevitably influence the vocabulary that you use. Which brings me to my point this morning, which is very simply this our speech must be transformed by the gospel. Or if I could put it in another way, we must speak with heaven's accent. That is, When other people hear us talk, when other people hear the words that come out of our mouth, the demeanor behind those words, they should, in a sense, say, hey, you're not from around here, are you? This world that you live in, though you are fluent in its vernacular, this really is not your home because you speak with a different accent. Because your heart has been transformed by Christ, so has your words. So what does that look like? What does it look like to be a person who speaks with the accent of heaven? I think as we look at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, there are four rules of transformed speech that are outlined here briefly in this text. And I want to, at kind of a high level, look through them here today together. I want to give you four rules of transformed speech, Lord willing, arising from this text of Scripture. The first rule of transformed speech is this, articulate the truth. Look at verse number 25. Therefore, put away lying. Speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. In other words, believers should always use honest words. Why? Because we're connecting to one another. Harming one part of the body is actually like harming the whole body. In other words, when I smash my finger with, my, with a hammer, it doesn't just impact my finger, it, it impacts the whole body. I don't recommend that. Don't try that at home, kids. Now, you might hear me and th- think, well, of course, I, I know I'm not supposed to outright lie. But, but notice this passage doesn't just say, don't lie. It goes a step further and it says, speak the truth. You see, it is very possible for our hearts to trick us into thinking that we are not lying when in reality we are not speaking the truth. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, stop and think for a moment. Are you prone to any of these common pitfalls? And four consistently, see, in this example, we'll, we'll talk about taking out the trash. Do you ever embellish a story in order to make it more convincing? My wife is so rude. I was working on a project and she had me had the audacity say to say, when are you going to take out the trash? Haven't you taken it out yet? When in reality, all she said was, could you take out the trash? You know, sometimes we we don't outright lie, but we embellish the truth to make our side of the story sound more convincing or exaggerations. Do you ever exaggerate the truth to make a point? I ask you 50 times to take out the trash. Was that really true? 100% words. Do you ever use absolute words like never or always to strengthen their case? You never take out the trash. I always have to ask you 50 times to take out the trash. Backdoor messages. Do you ever try to manipulate a situation through false pretense? Boy, that's nice. Look, the neighbors already have their trash out by the side of the road. I wish we could be more like them. You see, that's not really honest words. That, that might not be a lie, but you're saying something by your tone and by the words that you choose that is not really fully honest. Inconsistent body language. Do you ever say one thing that clearly does not match up with what is going on in your heart? For instance, if somebody says, take out the trash, and you say, Fine, I'd be happy to take out the trash and then stomp across the room. This is such a joy for me to take out the trash. You see, that's not really honest words. If we are honest with ourselves, pun intended, we are all in some ways prone to falsehood. If we simply begin to ask ourselves the question, are these words really true? I believe it would have a profound impact on the way that we communicate with one another. So the first rule of transformed communication is simply this, articulate the truth. The second rule is is related, and it's this, address the issue. Look at verse number 26. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. So this is really interesting to me here. Because in this text of scripture, Paul actually commands us to be angry. Did you see it? Be angry. But the, the anger that Paul has in mind is not the fly off the handle, incredible Hulk mode that we often think about when we think about anger. We know this is the case because in the very next phrase he says, be angry and what? And do not sin. In other words, listen carefully to this idea. There is a way to be angry and actually please the Lord or if I could say it in a pithy way, we should be good and angry. And that's possible. You see, anger in itself is not sinful. In fact, the Bible says that God himself expresses anger every day. So, so what does this godly anger look like? What does it mean to really be good and angry? Well, the text, again, gives us a clue. Look at verse 26 again. Be angry And do not sin. Now notice this next phrase, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I think the way that Paul is referring to anger here is that anger is essentially energy that tells us that something isn't right and motivates us to work through issues in a timely manner manner. I think that's what don't let the sun go down on your anger is implying. It's like address the issue. Deal with things. Don't let things fester and go on in your heart. Be angry. Don't sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Typically, when we feel we are wronged, we do have anger, but we respond in two potentially sinful ways. The first one is the most obvious. That is blow up. This is what we often think of, of anger. It's red-faced, shouting, volcanic-type anger. How many of you out there are blow If you're a blow-up person, type blow-up down in the comments below. Uh, but there's also another kind of anger that's a little less subtle, or a little more subtle, but equally sinful, and that is clam-up-type anger. This is the cold shoulder. That's the, this is the what's wrong, nothing-type attitude. How many of you are clam-uppers out there? Write clam up down in the comments below. The danger of both of these responses, either blowing up or clamming up, is that they're not addressing the issue. They're letting the sun go down on your anger. They're letting, they're letting the issue fester in your heart rather than running to the tension and dealing with it. And there is a grave, grave danger that this passage warns us about. Namely, when we don't deal with anger, when we don't address issues, look at what the text says, the devil gets an opportunity. And let us not forget that the de- devil delights in division. The devil delights in in division. So instead of being a steamroller, a bulldozer, or a wrecking ball, use that passion that you have to have a real conversation about the issue. Address the issue. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Instead of wielding weapons of withdrawal and passive aggression or silence to slice and dice your opponent, use that strategy to talk about the distance between you. Address The issue, we need to bear in mind that winning the person is more important than winning the argument. Winning the person is greater than, it's more important than, it's more significant than winning the argument. We need to allow ourselves to lose some arguments because we're more concerned about winning the person. Which leads to the next rule of transformed speech. Number three, affirm the hearer. Look at verse 29. No foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. You see what Paul does here? He not only tells us to avoid foul language, but to speak only, oh man, that word is so challenging, only words that build others up and give grace to those who hear. In other words, the intent of our speech, listen to this, The intent of our speech should always, 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 always be to build up and not tear down. 100% of the time. And we don't execute that perfectly, for sure, but that should be our heart's intent. We should aim for saying, every word that I speak ought to be aimed at building another human being made in God's image. To put it simply, There are no throwaway words. And let me add something. Spoken, friends, listen carefully, or typed. There are no throwaway words. Whether you speak them or you type them on social media, uh, every one of us should use extreme care with our words because all of our words are either nudging people towards one trajectory or another. They either have the effect of building an individual up or the effect of tearing an individual down. And I believe that is why the scripture gives us so many warnings about our speech. For instance, James chapter 3, verse 19, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Why? Because words are powerful things. And we can use our words to harm people. Or over in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. You may say, wow, man, Ryan, that is a tall order. Yes, it is. And it means that things like name calling, subtle barbs, veiled insults, and uncharitable judgments have no place in a believer's vocabulary. Now, this certainly doesn't mean that we're unwilling to have difficult or awkward conversations because we just want to be positive. That's not what the passage says. It doesn't say just be positive all the time. It says build others up. When love demands this of us and we have to have difficult conversations, then we do so because we're aiming at building another up even if it's difficult to do so, but we do it with a spirit of gentleness and humility. And here's the thing. When we speak words that tear a person down, um, it's not only the person that you're speaking to that is hurt. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse number 30. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. You see what that says. When we hurt others, we actually hurt God's spirit as well. We grieve him. The spirit is grieved when we use our words to harm and tear down rather than to heal and build up. Oh, all of us, and myself included, need to often pray like David did. And and would you just do this with me right now? Psalm 143, verse number three. Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why? Because we don't want to use our words, these gracious gift of language and communication. We don't want to use these words to tear people down. We want to be people who affirm the here, who build them up in ways that are encouraging. We use words to heal and help. Finally, apply the gospel. This is perhaps the hardest thing of all. You see, our tendency, especially when we have experienced a wrong, whether it's a real wrong or just a perceived wrong, is to react. We react, we we get hurt and then we quickly react. And the way we often react is spelled out right there in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31, with bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander and malice. Can you identify? When you've had a conflict at work or with your spouse or a parent or a child and all of a sudden you feel attacked and you go on the offensive, you react to what has just happened to you and sadly it's these sinful tendencies of our words that come spilling out. But instead, this passage calls us to not react in sin, but to act in grace and kindness and forgiveness. Verse 32 of chapter 4, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. And and here's the thing, it's not just regular old garden variety compassion and kindness and forgiveness. Paul raises the bar infinitely high. Be kind and compassionate and gracious and forgiving to one another as God also forgave you in Christ. It's as if Paul here is taking the golden rule do to others as you would do that have them do to you and elevating it. It's the golden rule 2.0, Do to others as Christ has done to you. Man, that is an infinitely high standard that the Lord has called us to in the way that we communicate. Don't react with slander and bitterness and anger and wrath. Rather, act. Act. Purposefully act in grace and compassion and kindness. Apply the gospel. You have been the recipient of gospel grace. Now give gospel grace even to others when they hurt you or speak down to you. As we're all aware, abiding by these rules of communication is far from easy. It's not easy to avoid exaggerations and embellishments and 100% words like always and never and actually speak the truth. That's hard to do. It's not easy to address uncomfortable issues rather than simply blowing up or clamming up. Anger is the easy path many times. It's not easy to always use edifying words rather than tearing people down, especially when we're in a conflict and it's not easy to extend kindness and forgiveness when we really want to clap back, and win the argument. So is this even possible? I mean, is this just some sort of standard that is unattainable or unachievable? Thankfully, the answer is yes. It really is possible, because the Lord, in His grace, not only commands but He enables. You say, what do you mean by that, Ryan? Back up to verse number twenty of chapter four. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth in Jesus, to take off the former way of life and the old self that is corrupted by its deceitful desires. And notice this, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. The image here is of changing clothes. You see, when you trust in Christ... It's like God has taken off your old grimy clothes and given you access to a whole new wardrobe. The Lord is saying to you, you don't have to talk like that. You don't have to wear the grimy speech on your back anymore. Why? Because that is not how you came to know Christ. Yes, it's hard to talk like a Christian sometimes, but remember this, Christ died on the cross to redeem your soul and your speech. Jesus died to redeem not just your soul, but your speech as well. Followers of Christ do not have some sort of special language, but they do have a transformed heart, which causes them to want to honor God with the words that they speak. And here's the thing. Our speech is an important life of our, our important aspect of our Christian life. If we want to be disciples who are growing in our relationship with God, guess what? We need to honor him with our words. If we want to be disciples who are growing in our relationship with other believers, we want to talk to them in ways that build them up. And if we want to be disciples who are growing in our relationship with the world, then we want not just to say, um, we don't want to just say the right words, but we want to commend Christ in the words that we speak. To put it plainly, part of growing in the gospel as a family while on mission means that we are growing increasingly Christ-like in the way that we talk. This is a critical aspect of our walk with Jesus. And this is just another reason why believers need one another. You know, today on Connect Sunday, we're highlighting that we live as a family and that Christian growth. It's a team sport. It's a team effort. We need one another to give us examples of transformed speech. We need one another to hold each other accountable in the way that we speak. We need one another to speak to us in ways that help us handle life's difficulties biblically. And we need one another to help us practically apply challenging principles like this one to our daily lives. As we close out today, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to give you a glimpse into how we as believers can actually help one another grow in the gospel as a family while on mission. So I'm going to invite a couple members of the Gospel Hope family to come up with me and really engage in a conversation about what we are learning right now. We want to consider the word together so that we can help one another to grow in our relationship with God, in our relationship with one another, And our relationship even with the world so stay tuned as we take a minute and talk about this as a family and learn how we can really grow together well welcome back and uh, we are going to dive into god's word together Hey, one of the convictions that we have at gospel hope is that we grow as a family and one of the ways that we can most grow as a family by really considering god's word together So I've invited Daniel and Anna uh, to come and join me and just have a little discussion about Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 through 32 and the message that was just preached to give you a glimpse into kind of what might happen in a community group. Maybe you've been in a community group before, or maybe you never have. We want to invite you kind of into the living room and see. we even have the baby. So this is like real action. This is like real community group, nothing fake here. So, hey, we're going to walk through our 5i Bible study method. And that's just one way to study God's Word together. It's a tool that we use to help us follow along with the sermon and also open up God's word together. So, Daniel, Anna, hey, thanks Thanks. first of all for being here, guys. Appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Thanks for inviting us. So let's talk about Ephesians chapter 4 and this idea of accented, that we should speak in a different way as Christians. As you were listening to that message or as you were considering that passage of Scripture, what were some lightning bolts that just struck you as you were going through there? Mm
1: -hmm. Ladies first.
2: (laughs) I think uh, something I, when I first read the passage, I was thinking about the speaking truth to one another, Mm. and that initially actually struck me more in the sense of, like, when you speak truth, you're also helped to not be self-deceived, and I think even a group of people can be, like, just blind to things, but the more you're focused on truth and speaking about it, the less that it does, like, the less likely you're to be like that, and so I think when we speak truth. To each other, it helps us just stay on track mm. too. And I was kind of thinking about it more in that way, but then obviously also what you said is like equally important and mm. not exaggerating and not false of, you know, stretching things mm. and mm. stuff like that and just staying focused and keeping it simple. Yeah. Really, because the truth is simple if you just stick
1: to it. It's
0: mm. good. Yeah,
1: yeah, what caught my attention was uh, about how the truth uh, or how our lips are connected to our heart. Mm. Mm. Um, now it's not that I don't know that or we don't know that but uh, that language makes me think okay when I'm running my mouth and saying a couple things maybe I shouldn't be saying that it's a reflection of what's going on in my heart Mm -hmm. so that caught my attention that was my lightning bolt Yeah,
0: yeah. anything else that just jumped at you like oh man the Lord was really kind of speaking to me about, about that any other lightning as you were thinking through that passage
2: I like the devil, delights, and del- division. Mm. I don't like that, but you know what i Right, right, like, right, right. I, just, I thought it was a helpful way to think about it. Um, it made me think about unity differently, mm. like mm. from the other side that this isn't just difficult for me. It's that really the devil is getting a lot of pleasure out of this, yeah. and do I want that?
0: Right, right. So. When, when we do not, um, you know, when we're tearing each other down, mm-hmm. it, that, that passage says that, man, the devil gets a foothold. Uh, yeah. One thing that we say at the mechanic House a lot is... It, Hey, are you being contentious? Are, are you just bristling for a fight? Because the devil delights when we're at each other's throat. I think I think the devil has been having a heyday during this political season and everything because he loves it, especially when believers are are divided. Yeah.
1: But what do you do when you're the devil? Because
0: <laughs> my wife, uh, can be- you leave the panel? <laughs> <for a minute. laughs>
1: my wife might be watching this video, and you know. So, hey, winning the person is more important than winning the argument. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You say what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that. I thought the opposite. <laughs> Let's be right. Right. And actually, uh, it validates right. Uh, being wrong is mm-hmm. really right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to you know giving love and being positive and as you said, uh, kind of Christian
0: like uh, communication. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what What about as you kind of read that text, heard that sermon? Was there any questions that came to mind? Like, man, I wheels just started turning on that. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. so
2: for me I think my um, version is different but verse 31 where it says let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice so mm. maybe yours says shouting instead of clamor but I was thinking about that and I was like what is that what behavior is that and mm. I was kind of wondering about that and I was like maybe it's like being discontent or clamoring I think of it's just like not being it's not restful it's not
0: peaceful it's
2: so I was kind of able to think of the opposite ones, but I don't know what you guys think like that means.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what mine says, shouting. Um, you know, I, I, I think when I think of clamor, I think of this idea of like loud, like kind of out of control, just just like, hey, letting the dog off the leash in one sense. It's just like, I I'm I'm winning this no matter what, and okay. I'm gonna overpower you with my loudness in one sense. So I think this idea of like boisterous and and fussy, loud. Um, you gonna say something, Daniel?
1: Well, my question is, it wasn't so much to the scripture or what you said. It was thinking about how do I stay on track with the notes. Mm. You're saying so many good things, mm. and they're coming rapid fire. Some of them are key phrases, key ideas, yeah. how to apply them to my life, and. You know, it's, and so that was actually the question. How do I, Coach? How do I organize? How do we, when we're listening to you or Pastor Rod, how do we kind of organize all the good stuff we're hearing from God through
0: you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Daniel's got a master's degree in note-taking, though, just so everybody knows. Um, you know, If you watch this guy, he's got markers, he's got flip charts, he's got it all. I mean, look, Eli, it's impressive. Anyway, I, I would say, Mike, we use that little five-eye method. Okay. And, and it's just... They're just hooks. There's nothing, um, thus saith the Lord, about those. But the reason we get it is because we want you to listen with careful ears um, so that you're really processing and walking away. And then you can have a good discussion like this afterwards where you can encourage one another. And here's the reality. Honestly, I'm going to set the bar real low here. If you can remember just like one thing from the sermon, to me, that's like a giant win. Like, if you are in some way, God calls you to take one little spiritual step, that to me, I'm like, well, praise the Lord, because, um, you know, preaching God's word and teaching God's word is not just about, like, changing a person's mind or or, or or making an outline so they can memorize it. Really, the point is that our hearts would be impacted, that there's an experience that we have with God as his word is opened. So. And and Which I think leads to maybe the most important of those. The lightning bolt, the question mark, the arrow. Mm. How how is God calling you to change as a result of what you read, what you heard?
2: Um, I thought of the no corrupting talk. And I was thinking about the word corrupt and what that Mm. means. And I think any any little bit of badness equals corruption. Mm. So like... You have a perfectly good container of yogurt. You have one little tiny, tiny spot of mold. The whole
0: thing is corrupted. And so it's like. Well, yogurt's no good anyway. So like, just just throw I, that out. Which is why it molds. Use my something first, else. Yeah. Which is why it in my fridge. <laughs> so, Sorry, but, yogurt lovers. I, yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't.
2: <laughs> so I was thinking about that and just how, like, don't. It's not a matter of amount. Yeah. It's a, an amount of whether you do it or not. Mm-hmm. And I do. So I think that's where, you know. That comes and it corrupts relationships and it corrupts, you, it can even just corrupt the way somebody thinks about somebody else, you know, right. which is equally terrible. So, yeah, mm,
1: think about that. mm. for me, uh, yeah, it's going to bed uh, without having matters settled, mm. or as we say at our home, going to bed red mm. instead of green, go, that's <laughs> right? And so, Tasha says it's time to color switch, <laughs> <laughs> and she's better at color switching than I am, and uh, so uh, I think that that's my area of opportunity. That's great,
0: yeah. that's great. So, you know, we added this fourth eye not too long ago because we want people at Gospel Hope, at least, to think like disciple-makers. Like, we can't just follow Christ in a vacuum, but we should always kind of have an eye out on the horizon. Who am I trying to influence with the truth? Mm. Um, so, hey, we don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, so, you know, Anna's not going to say, no, Luke, he's got all these sin <laughs> issues. My husband, he's got all these problems. Who has God uh, called you to influence? with kind of transformed speech? I've got one. Can I take it?
1: Um, I've got friends and family, and we see it on TV, uh, where folks say, God told me. Mm. Uh, God said. And I think when you talked about not exaggerating, being careful, conservative, especially when it comes to that subject, I think... That's an area I'd like to nudge and encourage some, mm. some folks to be careful with kind of what's being said. From oh, that's mouth. great. Yeah. That's great.
0: Yeah. I, I, it, it, is, it is really when you stop and think about it. It's, it's revolutionary when you say, man, if I would just speak the truth, mm-hmm. the whole truth, nothing but the truth, mm-hmm. so help me God, mm-hmm. it, would, it would really revolutionize a lot of our communication. Mm-hmm. If I would just be fully honest, n- not rude, but like not exaggerate, not embellish, I, not say you always, you never but really be honest with my words. It does make a huge difference. Uh, Anna, what about you?
2: Um, I thought about it more, I guess I kind of missed the discipleship aspect of it, but I guess it goes into it, but just like my kids, and even Luke too, but not being corrupting, but like building up, encouraging, um, and being kind, being tenderhearted, you know, all those things that I can incorporate into my speech and and I actually, I think about it a lot when I go to work, actually. Often before I go to, into work, I pray and I just pray that I'm wise and I make good decisions and that I'm a good influence and I'm a light for Jesus. And, um, and a lot of that, it does come out in your speech. Like a That's lot right. of my coworkers, they won't cuss as much, you know, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm there because they notice that I don't. Or, you know, it's every once in a while they say stuff like that. And so it's encouraging to um, see, be encouraged by that and yeah. to see that it's noticed. But, yeah, I often think about it. There, it's such a stark difference. Yeah by not saying and not participating in that. We're not gossiping and things like that. So, um, But, yeah, but at home every day I have opportunities to right. refine my speech.
0: <laughs> and, and, and let me push back on that, Anna. That, those are wonderful discipleship opportunities, like yeah. your kids, sure. your husband. Um, man, we should be discipling our children. I mean, that's our first flock, as it were, for all of your parents. And then as spouses man there should be this mutual discipleship where we're helping one another grow in our relationship with God
1: and sometimes it's the invisible hand mm. so someone recently said to me about my son Isaiah you know sometimes when you knock on the front door and you say mm, maybe you shouldn't be using that language God told me maybe uh, kind of the visible hand or in a soft way especially if we're trying to make iron sharp and iron you don't always have to go through the front door sometimes yeah. maybe the side door in the neighborhood it used to be the milkshoot. You know, you just kinda gotta <laughs> slip it slip a
0: slip an idea or a thought in there. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, y'all know what a milkshoot. <laughs> I do know what a milkshoot yeah, yeah. is. So you know, the last thing that we have on there, the fifth eye, is invitation. Mm. Uh, we want to invite God into this. And I was burdened about this that oftentimes I study the Bible and then I don't talk to the Lord about it. Like he's just spoken to me, and man, I I want to invite him into the situation. So you know, if you could say, um, "Man, what do you? How do you want to invite God into this?" What would you say? Go ahead, ladies first. <laughs> um,
2: I would say to be, I want to pray to be tender-hearted because mm. that's not doesn't come natural to, naturally naturally to me. I tend to be very critical. So to be tenderhearted and then to be brave to say the truth mm. because sometimes that's really hard to do and it's like can take a lot of courage to. Yeah, to stick to the truth and to say the truth and to build people up and to be intentional. So, yeah, I think those two areas. great.
1: Daniel? Uh, For me, uh, you mentioned that the intent of our speech should always be 100% kind of an aim to be a building. Mm I don't know if that's, yeah, that's not always the case for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably 100% of the time is to uh, get it right. Right. Not always be right, but get it right. But as I said earlier, I think sometimes getting it right is getting it wrong. If the
0: goal is kind of peace, harmony, love, and building. Yeah, uh, that was very convicting to me. Even as I was preaching, I'm like, are all my words? Mm-hmm. Are my words only aimed at giving grace to the here mm-hmm. So, you know what? I, I I actually want us to to pray about that right now, and uh, just model that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Daniel, would you just, you know, a sense or two prayer, would you pray for Anna? Sure. And then Anna, would you pray for Daniel? And then I'll pray for our sure. church as a whole. So just brief prayer here. Father, we
1: bow our heads. We open our hearts. We want to thank you for your word found in the Bible and iron sharpening iron. I'm going to pray for Anna and her son and uh, her husband and uh, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
2: Lord, I lift up Daniel to you, Lord. I pray that um, you would just help him be mindful and bring things to his, just the forefront of his mind about, um, Controlling his speech and being, building, and uplifting to the people um, that he lives
0: with, people he works with. Father, I pray for uh, Gospel Hope Church. I pray we would be a group of people marked by transformed speech. Lord, help the the gospel to change our hearts and that spill out of our lips. I pray that we would be deeply impacted by the work of Christ, and it would be evident in the words that we use. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, gospel hope hey that's it and man we want you to be involved in a group like this i hope you're encouraged by this i hope you would say man i i want to study god's word i want to be built up by my brothers and sisters in christ that's what community groups are all about and we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up for those right now here's all you do down below there is a link where you can click on and you can sign up for a community group we have 10 groups that are going right now And these are just great ways for you to link arms with brothers and sisters in Christ and grow in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you have any trouble, we would love to get you connected. Just reach out to us and we will help you get plugged in to a group. I hope you'll join us.